You're listening to Comedy Central. Please welcome five-time World Series champion and former New York Yankees captain, Derek Jeter! Wow. Wow, that's never that's never that's never happened to me. I need to I need to roll. I need to roll with you. Like people start chanting my name because you like that's never happened to me. We we may actually consider signing you to play for the Marlins. Just, just to come just, in just with the fan love and the support <laughs> you give here. Can you play a position? I, I am the worst person in baseball. Like wherever the ball won't go, that's where you want to put me. That's where you want me. But um, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Yeah, man, let's, let's, let's get into it. Um, I remember when I first came to the, United, to the United States. I moved to New York, and Derek Jeter was a name that was synonymous with everything amazing. I mean, you were crushing it. You're a legend in baseball. You know, people still look at you and go, like, the greatest shortstop of all time. And you've taken on a different journey in your life right now because now you are behind a team. It's a little bit frustrating when when you know what you can do, and then like you watch the team sometimes, and you, you just want to go out there, like is it hard for you to, ch to change your mind into being a CEO? Yeah, you know it is, it is <clears throat> kind of difficult, because you know, as a player, you are, you know, it's instant gratification or failure, right? You either succeed or you don't, you get a hit or you don't, you win or you lose, and then you go on to the next game. But when you're in an ownership front office role, uh, you have to have patience which I am learning I have none. So it's very difficult at times to watch because you want things to happen, you know, very quickly. But, right. it, you know, it's, it, look, it takes times to, time to, to build a championship caliber team and, and to build a first-class organization. We will get there, but it does take a little bit of time. It's also... I, what I found particularly interesting is how quickly the media seemed to enjoy the, what they termed downfall of Derek Jeter. I, re I remember reading a headline that specifically said, Derek Jeter fails at something, finally. <laughs> and I was like, it was weird that they said finally, as if they had been waiting for you. But like, you've been in a position where for a long time you were the golden boy, like nothing went wrong in your world. Has it been different for you to be on the, the, on the receiving end of criticism? Has that, has that shaped how you see the world? Or is, has everything that you've done beforehand prepared you for this moment? Well, first of all, listen, I've failed quite a bit in my career. So, uh, you know, one thing you learn, especially playing in New York, you have to deal with criticism. And criticism doesn't bother me, it motivates me. And, uh, you know, what people I think needed to understand as we were taking over an organization that had not been successful, have not been in the postseason since 2003, and in my mind, that makes it broken. So we need to fix it. Um, so the, I look at it as a, it's a challenge, but more importantly, it's an opportunity that I'm looking forward to. It's an opportunity. And it's an opportunity that you, you've grabbed with both hands because what you've done is you, you've started shaping the team. You know, you, you've, you've gotten two new prospects. Um, is it Victor, Victor Mesa, and then Victor Mesa, Mesa Victor? I don't know how that works. I feel Something like it's the like same that, person yeah. twice, which is very slick of you. And we got three Victors for the price of two, so we're good to go. <laughs> 
but, but you, you're bringing in some amazing prospects, you are reshaping the team, but there's other things that you're doing that feel like they, they're changing the dynamic of, of what the Marlins represent. For instance, uh, you know, I, I read that you're changing what the in-game experience is, and something even more interesting is you've encouraged everybody on the team, including yourself, to start learning Spanish. Why? Well, I think... <clears throat> Thank you. I, I think... You know, when you have players, Hispanic players that are coming to the United States, everyone automatically assumes that they speak English. And, you know, that's not always the case. You know, you're taking players out of their country, you're bringing them to the United States, you're throwing them in a new culture, a new environment, and you expect them to speak your language. Now, if they took, well, we're in Miami, so most people speak Spanish, but if you took most Americans and you threw them in a, an Hispanic country and you expect them to speak Spanish, they would struggle a little bit, right. and people are judging them. And I don't necessarily think that's fair. So we're making sure that our educational program with the organization is, is first class. We're, we're making sure that all of our Hispanic-speaking, uh, Spanish-speaking players speak English. But more importantly, we want our American players to learn how to speak Spanish, and we're also doing that in the front office. The, um, the team, and baseball is just part of what you do. You're involved in multiple programs that are related to sport, but not, you know, sport itself. You have um, an organization that you started that, you know, turned into a website that really has become a platform for many players, many sports people to speak out and, I guess, share their, themselves with an audience without anyone in the middle. No middleman, no, no press, no anybody. And one of the more interesting articles that came out of this, 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 this collective was um, Kevin Love, mm -hmm. who shared his, you know, his battles with anxiety and depression. It was a powerful movement that, that changed how a lot of people saw sports people in general. Why was that so important to you, and what do you think the long-term goal of this project is? Well, I started the Players' Tribune. This is right after I retired in 2014. It sounds strange to say 2004 years already. <laughs> I'm getting old. You are, my friend. It's yeah. showing. It's showing everywhere well, on, your, yeah. on your face. You look 25. Well, a, a, lot, a lot of you people are getting old, too. I can see some <laughs> of you out there as well. But we started this, uh, the Players' Tribune, because we felt as though, look, athletes are human. There's a human side, and, and we're trying to humanize them. Athletes have interests, things that they, that they want to share with the fan base. But I think you know, anyone that says that the trust factor between the media and athletes, if, they, if you say that's, that, that's not broken, then, then you're not being honest. And it's amazing what people will actually share if they trust who they're speaking to. So we've developed that trust uh, you know, with the athletes, and, and we have some amazing stories. And people you know, feel free, and they trust us, and they talk about things that they normally wouldn't speak to with the media, and therefore it you know, brings the fans closer to them. You, you have a lot of players in this day and age, not just in baseball, who are speaking out about their political affiliations, political abe uh, beliefs as well. Um, as we can see, the NFL has struggled with this. You know, many owners not knowing how to deal with it. You have Colin Kaepernick, who's been effectively blackballed. You have conversations where people are like, well, sports people should just shut up and dribble. And then people like LeBron James coming out and saying, no, I'm, I'm a human being and I have opinions. You have been on both sides as both a team owner and a player. How do you think you work to balance the, the relationship between what people want sport to be, which is devoid of all politics, and also still giving your, 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 your athletes a voice? Yeah, well, I think when you're an athlete, you have a platform, obviously, and, and it's what you do with that platform which, which actually 
is, you know, everyone talks about your legacy on the field, on the court, but I always felt as though it's more important to have a legacy off of the field or off of the court. And athletes, look, they have a very, yeah, athletes, they, they have an opportunity um, to actually be role models for kids and, and get out and speak their minds. And, and one thing I, we've always done, I have a foundation that I started over, 22 years ago, and we try to teach our, our young students that, listen, your voices are powerful, and, and learn to, to go, get out and speak your mind and, and be very comfortable doing that. So when you become an adult, you're comfortable doing it in front of a bigger audience. So our, our foundation, we've, we're trying to make sure that our, our young people re reach their full potential you know, by promoting leadership development, academic excellence, um, <clears throat> healthy lifestyles, and social change. And right, and you, your organization has been really successful. I, I, I found this out recently. It's called the Turn Two Foundation, and you'll correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe you've raised over $20 million that you've awarded to these kids to get into schools, to get into scholarships, to get into programs that move them forward. And, and of all the kids you've mentored, you have a 100% graduation rate. That's it. We, we have. You know, I, I come from a family where if you have a little, you give a little. If you have a lot, give a lot. So philanthropy has always been very, very important to me and my family growing up. And at the same time, it's, it's, it will be very, very important to the Miami Marlin organization moving forward because we have a platform here in Miami and uh, we should be able to give back and affect you know, as many lives as we possibly can here. I love Miami, I've been here for only a year now. At times it seems like I've been here for about 20 years, but I've only been here for a year. I love the diversity, I love the culture, I love the energy, and uh, we're gonna be here for a long time. Derek Cheetah, everybody. The Daily Show with Trevor Noah, ears edition. Watch The Daily Show weeknights at 11, 10 Central on Comedy Central and the Comedy Central app. Watch full episodes and videos at thedailyshow.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and subscribe to The Daily Show on YouTube for exclusive content and more. This has been a Comedy Central podcast.